0: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And
1: I'm Dale Spangler. This week we have television, film, and video producer, Todd Huffman. This week's Weekend Watch is the MXGP Finale at Mantova, Italy, also called the Citta di Mantova. Final round of the MXGP, Dave, it couldn't have been any crazier, this race, wow. The action was insane. I was on the edge of my seat. I felt like the entire time. I think my heart rate was through the roof, even though I was sitting on my couch watching the race. What are your thoughts? I mean, it couldn't have been any better finale for this MXGP class.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. And uh, honestly, a lot of emotion came out of that race, I think, for uh, Hurlings, who swept the, the event for the championship. I mean, that's a... That alone, I think, was uh, was amazing. Those uh, Him and uh, Fabra coming into that final moto tied in points. I mean, you're talking about a series of 18 races that came down to one moto. The other emotional part was Kai Rolli, His final GP does it in Italy, and the man is retired. So just a lot to talk about, a lot of emotion, a lot of action on the track. But Hurlings, uh, I think, is the big story, the young man who's always kind of really put his heart into racing and ridden probably harder than he needed to most times and usually paid for it, unfortunately. But uh, this season was able to hold it together. Didn't look like he tried to dominate every event like he'd had in the past. He nurtured that into what I'd say is one of his uh, strongest championships, for sure.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, Hurlings this year, I felt like we saw a more mature Hurlings, like he said, instead of going for the win every single time. You know, he kind of did what he had to do. He clawed his way back from a points deficit to take it to the final moto. You know, we saw in the first moto where where Febra was able to grab second place, but that that uh, brought them into the final moto tied exactly on the same points and uh, winner takes all. And, you know, Hurlings really kind of put a stamp of authority on the championship with a 1-1 sweep and, um, you know, did it strongly. So congrats to them and the whole team. On the MX2 side, I noticed, kind of as you predicted, Dave, Yamaha seemed to really try and put Yago Geertz up front, and uh, his 1-2 finish was able to give him the win, and and uh, as a result, 1-2 Yamaha finish with Maxime Renault the world champion, and Yago Geertz in second place.
0: Yeah, how about that? I, I was really impressed with Geertz's ride. Sad day for Vial. I mean, he got hurt in the first moto and scored no points on the day, so he really can get to battle with uh, with the guy for second. And uh, But to see Geertz uh, ride the way he did, win a moto, and just ride strong all day, didn't necessarily uh, really need any help from uh, from Renault, but uh, good on uh, Yamaha because they did get the Manufacturer's Championship for MX2, so uh, just uh, check another box for Yamaha this season, who's dominated all forms of racing. Full credit to them and their team.
1: Yeah, one other uh, great ride of note was uh, young upstart uh, Kai DeWolf got his first MX2 podium And for the Rockstar Husqvarna team. And uh, speaking of that team, I also noticed that there's a recent signing of uh, Roan van de Mooschdyk has signed with Rockstar Husqvarna for the 2022 and 23 seasons alongside De Wolf. So they'll have a pretty strong and young team coming into the uh, 2022 series.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The two Dutch riders uh, uh, teaming up together probably uh, closing up some logistics for the team also. But uh, they've always come on strong. They've had some decent finishes this year, but it's good to see both those guys be on white bikes for next year, man. That's cool. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I can't even imagine if this year's, you know, series is any indication of how things are going to be going into 2022. It's just going to be another incredible series. Like you said, you know, with we are, we are going to lose a few with Antonio Cairoli moving on. Uh, I think Sean Simpson as well. A few, few of you know the veterans from the MXGP class will be moving, moving on or retiring, and so. Uh, but yeah, plenty of young talent coming up, and so both classes are going to be pretty stacked going into next year.
0: This week's Industry Spotlight, we want to talk about bike life. It's somewhat of a controversial subject. It's the growing and challenged trend of inner-city motorcycle culture. More recently, we are seeing many articles, observations, and a lot of discussion about people riding off-road vehicles in the inner city. And the impact of this activity varies, you know, between riders that are enthusiasts to dangerous traffic encounters and even damage and injuries.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting subject. You know, I've been reading a little bit about this, and uh, one of the biggest points that stood out to me is the bike life culture really is similar to surfing, skateboarding, hot rod, any of these other subcultures where, you know, teenagers bond over bike skills and camaraderie. So, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. It might have some negative repercussions attached to it, but there's a lot of positive as well with this uh, similarities between, you know, bike life and the skateboard culture.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's hard to ignore what's going on. And, and, you know, we got to wonder as an industry, what the impact can be as things continue to grow. And what should the power sports industry be doing to acknowledge and help guide municipalities to harness the bike life movement? This week's Moment in Moto History, we want to talk about the Elsinore Grand Prix dirt bike race that took place in and around the Lake Elsinore area of California. The annual event was held in mid-November and it was very popular back in its day in the 60s and 70s and was actually featured in the movie on any Sunday. Unfortunately, in the mid-70s, the event took a snag. Some bad elements of the motorcycle community started to take over the event. Therefore, the city council canceled the event and then no longer held it. Until recently, they were able to revive the series, and they do hold the event on a provisional basis, which is important uh, because this is a a huge part of the motorcycle off-road culture. Back in 1973, Honda introduced the Honda CR250 Elsinore, which was named after the event.
1: This week, we'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto, television, film, and video producer, Todd Huffman. Todd, welcome to the show. How are you today?
2: We are good out here in extremely sunny Southern California, so it's good.
1: Awesome. Well, you've had a pretty busy year between the Carlsbad Monument Project, the uh, 50th anniversary re-release of Bruce Brown's On Any Sunday... And uh, I even saw where you you threw in there for for a little extra fun. Uh, 40 years since the America's first win at the 1981 trophy and motocross the nation celebration at the uh, Moto Dofa Winery. How are you getting all this stuff done? How are you how are you finding all the time to create these projects?
2: Yeah, you know I don't I don't know actually. And and uh, you know I have a BMX career in the past, and we also put on a three day vintage bmx festival for the first time ever a month ago and up in northern california so i was leading on that too so yeah not enough me to go around this year it seems like so yeah it's been a busy year so far i can't believe it's almost december so onward and upward towards 2022 Mm -hmm.
0: So, Todd, uh, your uh, memorial at uh, Carlsbad uh, project—that uh, one was yeah very interesting to us, obviously because of the history behind Carlsbad and the and the fact that you you held the event on the um, anniversary of Marty Motes' big win there in 1980. You know, talk about some of the challenges you had to bring that to fruition. Because I understand it took a few years to to kindly get things moving and and uh, finalize it.
2: Yeah, you know, well, first off, did you guys order your bricks yet?
1: No,
0: not a yet.
2: Pass Moto brick been ordered yet through road recovery. Okay, we'll put that on your to-do list. So. Definitely. You guys can all be part of the monument when it's finished, so. But yeah, you know, it's been uh, 11 years so far. Actually, in October it was 11 years formally because in October of 2010, we kind of decided to do it at the films DVD release party in 2010. We said we we're going to work on this monument I came up with the idea for it. So it's been 11 years. We have gone through the ups and downs of dealing with cities and private landowners and developers and attorneys and uh, everywhere in between. So where we finally landed on the the current site is uh, perhaps a blessing in disguise we ended up there because it's really a neat location and uh, <laughs> there's two breweries in the parking lot. So you can't go wrong there. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Off-road riders and breweries, I think, definitely going hand in hand. Um, oh st- yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Drag racers and everybody else in between. So
0: it had to be very satisfying, though. How big was the uh, was the uh, the final uh, get together there? I mean, did you have a group of good core people there?
2: Yeah, you know, we had. Um, I'm guesstimating throughout the course of the day because it you know it had to be done on like a two zero Wednesday, right? Because that was the day that that twenty first fell on. And I don't know, maybe five hundred people. We were just talking about this the other day. We were there finishing up a video shoot that's tied into the monument and uh we're talking about how many people we have there we're like oh probably 500 throughout the course of the day and you know a lot of the right people magazine people and uh, a couple of moto stars you know brock glover came out and uh shoot don the snake prudome came out and was part of our festivities and took pictures and signed autographs of you know motorbikes and car clubs the the Mopar Club of San Diego brought a bunch of cars out and had some finished dragsters. It was really cool, fun day
1: now is it located directly? Is it literally on the site where the where the former racetrack was located or is it uh just kind of nearby?
2: It actually overlooks the site so geographically it's on the uh northeast corner of the property, and so the kind of the feature of the monument is this that's about a 20, 15 by 20 foot deck that kind of juts out over the canyon. And you kind of look down into the valley where the racetrack used to be. And of course, across the opposite side from the monument location is, you know, you're looking at Melrose Avenue, which is really kind of where the famed Carlsbad Freeway was on the, you know, the big uphill and the big downhill that is featured in all those USGP TV shows on ABC Wide World of Sports. So you're actually physically looking over the dirt of where the, drag strip was and the road racing course for super bikers and you know it's kind of unfortunately there's a little rise of a hill you can't see where the starting line was for the motocross course but it's the spirit of the place right a hollowed ground of motocross
0: well todd in your history you've done uh, you've worn a lot of hats in your industry doing all sorts of content and directing producing writing of all the various formats what uh, of those things which do you enjoy most which one flips your happy switch the most
2: Oh boy! Um, just sitting down talking to people, doing the interviews. You know, it's fun when you sit. You know, you you write out a whole list of questions, whether it's a half a page, one page, you know, whatever. Twenty pages for a guy like John Penn, Whatever, and and you have your own stories. You you know the the information you kind of know that you want to get out of them to talk about. But then when they tell you something completely new that you had no idea about, right? Like some new tidbit of history or whatever it's always fun to kind of know that you pulled that out of somebody and uh no one's ever heard that story before or it wasn't you know publicized very much so i really like that part of it and i think uh, discovering you know hidden archival pictures and videos and things like that out of people's collections because you know that's a big part of what we do is having people send us your stuff you know and you when you see a you know some nugget of a still picture or a little piece of old home movies or something that, you know, how it's going to make the, the piece that, that much better, you know, it's really, it's really pretty fun. It's
1: like f- finding that story.
2: Yeah. Finding the stories. Like everybody says, Hey, what do you do? You know, and I, I always like just to say, I'm just a storyteller. I mean, yeah, we produce, we direct, we, I have to write some stuff, you know, but you know, just being a storyteller is the fun part.
1: Yeah, I, I read that where you said you're, you know, you consider yourself a storyteller. Whether it's from developing documentaries to produce, producing corporate videos, you know, every production tells a story. And so, would you say that at the at the root level, I mean, is that what drives a lot of your projects? That it, you know, it kind of must have that sort of, I guess, pass the uh, passion test, if you will.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, anything worth asking someone to spend their time to watch, whether it's like a thirty-second commercial or a minute video or some short form 10, 11 minute, 12 minute, two hour and 15 minute John Ten movie, whatever. You know, if you're asking someone to spend their time to watch your stuff, it should be interesting. And we try to make everything we do, you know, tell a little story, you know, and whether you're selling a uh, somebody's life story, you know, or you're selling a product or a service or something, it make it interesting. Just try a little bit, you know. And so many times I we see, you know, I see things online and television movies, whatever. And it's like, man, they didn't even try. And it's just kind of heartbreaking. And sometimes it's, I'm my own worst enemies because we don't get projects or whatever. Because if you can't do it right and make it like a story, then why do it? You know, and or if there's not the budget there to do it right, you know, you don't do it. I just won't do it, you know. So,
0: so Todd, I know uh, in our industry and in, in racing specifically, I'm going to talk about off road or in motocross racing. It's filled with interesting characters, I guess, is the way I want to describe it, kind of tongue in cheek, I guess. But uh, the Motocross Files, oh, yeah. the, the Motocross file series that, that, uh, that you worked on, you had some, what I felt were some of the icons of the sport that uh, are very colorful characters, let's say. How, what was it like to work with and, and get information out of somebody like Bob Hanna or Rick Johnson? Were they volunteering it? Did you have to pull teeth? I mean, what, what was that experience like for you?
2: Well, you know, it's going to make a good book someday, right? All That whole process of dealing with all those guys. And I hope it's not the end of doing them. You know, we hope that one year here, maybe next year, we're going to get a chance to do a season four of the Motocross Files. There's some unfinished stories to be told there. But over the course of doing these things, I don't know, it's been 16 years now, I guess is when we did the first one, 2005 or 2004. Yeah, 2005, they came out actually this month, 16 years ago. You know, there's been hundreds of interviews that have gone into those things. And man, by the time guys get the age of Bob Hanner and Ricky Johnson or whatever in their, you know, 50s, you know, there's no more, nobody has to be politically correct. There's no more sponsors to take care of or watch what you say, whatever. And so people just love to speak their mind. And all of those guys have become great, great storytellers. And I just have to kind of get them going and they got stuff they want to say. And we just let the camera roll for the most part, you know, and God, you know, if you're going to ask me, is there a favorite, you know, it would be really tough to say who's a favorite. You know, Bob Hanna has become a, a close friend over this the process. I've interviewed him, I don't know, half a dozen times now for various projects. And, you know, feel I'm one of the few people that he'll let interview him now. Like I'm kind of one of his go-to, if not the go-to guy. But everybody, you know, Danny LaPorte was amazing and sitting with Torsten Hallman for seven hours for his story for a 22-minute television show, right? So there's some footage to come out in the near future from a lot of these that people haven't seen yet. So we're going to do something with all this old stuff.
1: It's got to be fun and rewarding to be able to speak so candidly with people like Hannah and LaPorte and and like you said, how there's... You know, when they get to that age where the, the filter's gone, you know, and it's kind of like, just just tell it the way it was, and it's got to be fun stuff. So I have another question. Are there any, uh, so you have any other projects coming down the pipeline, pun intended there, that you're excited <laughs> about, uh, that you can share with our listeners?
2: I think so. I mean, our big project that we are, are really, ho- I mean, obviously on any Sunday, the 50th, that's just, you know, more of a marketing project because I didn't make the new movie. We just, uh, you know, retained the licensing right to do the the film distribution on it because it was going to come out anyway but put it back in the theaters in some limited capacity was was fun and is still going ongoing you know and people can become a movie captain if they want but just go to on any sunday 50th.com you can sign up to host on any sunday in your hometown so cost nothing but beyond that the story of the 1981 motocross and trophy donations team is would be our next big film project amongst uh other just you know, corporate video work we're doing. So, and we hope next year to start shooting that, and hope we can come out with it in twenty twenty three.
1: So is that building on what you did at Moto Dofo? Is that building on that, or
2: it is kind of you know um, because those guys are all friends of mine that were there that day at Moto Dofo. You know, if people have not watched that Facebook Live video, it's it's there. Just go to the nineteen eighty one film Facebook page, and you can watch it. You gotta <laughs> you gotta scroll through about seventeen minutes in before it officially starts with lorette nickel um hosting it but that's the first time all four all six of those guys with dave arnold and roger DeCoster, had been in the same room together since 1981 was that day in september do you think about that
1: (laughs) that's pretty incredible
2: yeah well mainly because johnny o'mara had not been to some of the other hall of fame things that the team had been as a group been to he didn't go right so Johnny was kind of the man (laughs) the missing man out on that those other get-togethers, you know, so it was really fun to have all six of those guys on the stage together talking about those stories I knew some of those stories but boy, I learned a ton more on top of that and heck, nobody else was doing anything to celebrate the 40th anniversary And you know, I knew we had this potential movie coming up here to start working on next year and I'm like, you know, this would be a good time to get the guys together make people remember that what they did 40 years ago and we get to announce the movie project because we actually have a someone who wants to help us produce it from a financial standpoint so
0: well for sure todd these are awesome projects and we are definitely looking forward to seeing what comes out next unfortunately we are our time is running short so if there's anybody that you want to give a shout out to right now Anybody on your team or in your projects, uh, now would be the time to do it, man.
2: <laughs> no, I just want to say thanks to everybody who uh, appreciates the work we do. Uh, it always sometimes feels like a thankless job telling these old motorcycle stories and, and uh, the people that either write to us or I see at events and stuff that say thanks for what you do. It's always uh, nice to hear it. And that's it. We hope to be able to bring more stuff out to the public that likes these old you know, dirt bike and motorcycle anything motorsport stories That's what we do
0: awesome thanks again todd for spending time with us today man we appreciate it
2: no problem thanks you guys take care
0: upcoming events we have the world superbike of indonesia november 19th through the 21st and that is the final round of that series so and it is coming down to the final round on that world championship so we look forward to that Thank you again to our guests for being with us today and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog.
1: This has been a production of Evergreen
0: Podcasts.
1: A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Colt now. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm Dale Spangler. See you next week.
3: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go.